Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Five Red Lights podcast. And this is the Bahrain Grand Prix preview edition. So let's dive on in. Grand Prix, the first of the last three races of the 2020 calendar, the shortened 2020 calendar, of course. And we've got three races in three weeks to finish off uh, just in time for Christmas. Get everyone back home to their families safely. And we kick off with a double header at the Sakir circuit. Now we've got the conventional Grand Prix layout uh, this weekend, which we have raced uh, majority of the time uh, when we've been to Bahrain, except on the one occasion in 2010 where they used the, the endurance circuit, which uh, came in for some criticism because it led to a fairly dull race. Uh, and we'll get into a little bit of the history of the Sakir circuit uh, and some of the races that have shone around that track before. Now, it did start as a daytime race in the desert, and it is now a nighttime race in the desert, which actually makes it even more spectacular. So let's have a little look at uh, the circuit itself. So it is four... 5.412 kilometers in length with 15 corners and the cars reach a stop speed of 329 kilometers now which if you're miles an hour uh, that's 204 uh, which is pretty quick i would say i mean I'd, i've been a lot slower than that in my car i can't get that quick so um that's pretty rapid and the cars are running at full throttle for about 72% of the lap. So this is a bit of a power track. Um, anyone, anyone who doesn't have a Ferrari engine will be in a good position, um, given Ferrari's struggles with their engine this season. 56 gear shifts per lap as they go through their three DRS zones. Now, the lap record has been stood since 2005. And uh, Pedro de la Rosa is the uh, unlikely holder of that lap record. I won't go as far to say that the lap record is going to fall this week uh, because I got that wildly wrong for the Turkish Grand Prix given uh, the circumstances there, but uh, let's not be surprised if it does fall. So how long has Bahrain been on the calendar? It's one of the more recent uh, tracks to have turned up in Formula 1. It was actually the first Middle Eastern Grand Prix uh, out in the Gulf uh, ahead of um, Abu Dhabi joining the calendar in 2009. So Bahrain was first held in 2004, and it's held 15 races, but there was no race in 2011 uh, because of some government and protester uh, clashes. So Formula One stayed away for a year before returning in 2012. It was actually designed by Herman Tilke, one of his better tracks that he's designed because it does allow for some overtaking, which we'll get onto in a little bit. Uh, used The circuit itself used to be a camel farm and then it was turned into wasteland and then turned into a Grand Prix circuit. And it's done fairly well because even though there's a few issues around uh, certain other things as my notes fall on the floor, um, Formula One has generally been uh, well received over there and it's a good, good circuit, uh, a good layout. Uh, even though there's not that much around, it, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a strange place, but it's one that I look forward to as well. 
So who's the most successful driver? Well, that is Sebastian Vettel. He's taken four wins around the Sakir circuit. Uh, he could have had five, uh, had a spark plug not failed in 2010 when he was in the lead. Uh, he was actually beaten to that win by Fernando Alonso and Felipe Massa. Uh, and I think Lewis Hamilton actually got ahead of him that day, finished fourth. Uh, Ferrari are the most successful team with six victories. They took the first win there in 2004 with Michael Schumacher. Lewis Hamilton won last year's race and Ferrari missed out on their seventh win at the circuit when Charles Leclerc ran into some engine problems and that robbed him of his first uh, victory in Formula One, which would have been from pole position as well. Sebastian Vettel has the most pole positions with three. It's been a fairly spread out uh, race in terms of winners and pole positions, not dominated by one driver um, over the years. And actually six of the last seven world champions have won there. So you, it, it does tell you about who tends to perform well there. If you have a good car, you will go well around the Sakir circuit. The only world champion who hasn't won there over the last, over the last seven world champions uh, is Kimi Raikkonen, ironically, because he has got uh, multiple podiums at the Bahrain circuit without having actually won. He finished third in 2006, having started uh, plum last, and he finished second in 2012, having started 11th. Um, how he might regret not taking the plunge on the overtake on Sebastian Vettel in 2012. Now, does it generate an exciting race? Yes, it does. Um, generally, it does have a, an exciting race. The help of the DRS allows uh, many of the passes to be made into Turn 1. But even before the DRS, uh, I watched back the 2006 race uh, a few days ago, and that was just as full of overtakes as any race around that time was, because you've got that long straight, uh, almost a kilometre long, maybe just over a little bit, um, and a big braking zone. And it's quite wide, so you are able to get a good slipstream and pick a pass into Turn 1. And obviously we saw the duel between the two Mercedes drivers um, in 2014, where Rosberg and Hamilton were battling into that corner. Uh, and then it's also a good flowing uh, switchback section from Turn 1. So you, even if you get uh, someone on the inside of you at Turn 1, it's not all over. You can still pinch the apex for turn two. We have seen collisions there in the past, um, Takuma Sato and Ralph Schumacher, and it does create a bit of a bottleneck at the start. So uh, there can be some incidents there. I mean, the two Mercedes teammates, Bottas and Hamilton, have come to blows there uh, when Bottas was a Williams driver in 2016. And obviously the run-up to turn four through the second DRS zone. Uh, we've seen Hamilton go wheel-to-wheel -wheel with Rosberg there uh, more than once. We've seen uh, Hamilton get around the outside of Vettel last season there. And it is one of the more favoured passing points, I think, because you've got that big run uh, out of the final corner down to turn one. So even if you're not quite close enough to make the overtake into turn one, you see a lot of drivers positioning themselves uh, through turns one and two to get a good exit through three and really uh, drive home the advantage with DRS into turn four. Because it's quite wide on the exit, you see a lot of drivers fancying a chance around the outside uh, or even going wide and going for the, the undercut uh, as their, their opponent tucks in tight and then runs wide. Um, but if you can get up the inside, you can always defend the position and force the other driver uh, to the edge of the circuit completely fairly. Um, you've got the, the 
third DRS zone out of the uh, turn 10 hairpin into the uh, fast left-hander um, at the end of that uh, back straight. Not really a, a good overtaking spot, but if you get a really good run on someone who's struggling with tyres, uh, it can be uh, useful because you can get away through the final sector uh, pretty nicely. Now, I mentioned the 2006 race and the 2014 race, and they're probably the two that stand out in my memory um, as real classic races, because you, you, we do get good races around uh, Sakir, and they tend to be generally quite enjoyable, uh, lots of overtakes, and being at night now when, with the cars sparking, it looks absolutely fantastic. But 2006, I'll start with that one. The tension and the excitement were so high and it was so intense because at that time we had refueling, uh, we had the tyre war with Bridgestone and Michelin, Ferrari were uh, on the re-emergence from the difficult 2005 season, Renault were defending world champions. And it was the first time we'd seen Schumacher and Alonso go toe-to-toe -to -toe in a full race. Uh, Schumacher and Massa locked out the front row for the Scuderia and Alonso was back in, uh, I think it was third? Yeah, fourth, sorry, fourth. Uh, Button was P3 on the grid for uh, BAR, uh, or Honda actually that year. They just turned into Honda and uh, now they're Mercedes. So look where that ended up. Uh, but Alonso, he got a good start. He got ahead of uh, Button and then Felipe Massa at turn four. Massa then took himself out of contention with a uh, with a spin at turn one on lap seven. And then it was the showdown between Alonso and Schumacher, uh, the old master versus the new king. And in the end, uh, Alonso took advantage of the fuel strategy um, advantage that Renault had given him. They ran four laps longer in stint one and then four laps longer again in their second stint because of the refueling uh, that was allowed at the time. And by the time that Schumacher pitted for his second stop, Alonso was on his tail. Now, Alonso encountered traffic um, coming up to his stops and he was he was seen gesticulating out of the car his hand out of the car a couple of times and Renault got their stop absolutely bang on and this was one of the fascinating things around the refueling and why, why some people I think might ask for it might be asking for it to come back because it does force strategy and there is an element of disguise to it although the teams are very clever and they pretty much know exactly what everybody else is doing but there there can be an element of pacing yourself there can be an element of um, fueling light and gunning it because there, there can be many different ways to win a race Schumacher and Ferrari famously won the French Grand Prix in 2004 with a four-stop strategy while everyone else is doing two or three um, and simply he just drove the wheels off the thing and, and beat everybody uh, that way on this occasion though uh, he wasn't able to do quite enough uh, in the Ferrari, and Alonso came out half a car length ahead. Um, and while he was putting in the fast laps after Schumacher stopped, so Schumacher was heavy with fuel and Alonso was quite light. His, his uh, race engineer described those laps as winning laps, and boy, they were. And it, it showed that Alonso hadn't just won the championship because Schumacher and Ferrari were off form. He was the real deal. And he did go on to win the World Championship again that year. 2014, is probably everyone's favorite. It was third race of the V6 turbo era and Mercedes served up 
an absolute ding dong, a battle that everyone now longs for. And it really was just as good as everyone remembers it. And you look back at it now and it, you still think they're going to come together. How can they possibly keep this up? And it's come out in, in the, into light that uh, they were doing things that they probably weren't uh, allowed to do by the Mercedes team in terms of engine modes and uh, spirit of driving. I know Hamilton was a little bit on the edge cutting uh, Rosberg off and the exit of turn one, but then Rosberg uh, allegedly used an engine mode that he, he should not have been in. But they also created that with a tyre offset, and they, they don't do that so much anymore, Mercedes, but uh, Hamilton was on the mediums, and um, Rosberg, who was his teammate then, was on the softer tyre after the late safety car. But it was a race-long battle, and we saw them go wheel-to-wheel -wheel early in the race, and we saw them just absolutely go for each other. Uh, in the final phase of the race, and Hamilton came out on top. It was a thrilling race. That was the first night race uh, in Bahrain, and it's uh, not looked back to ever since. It's been absolutely a winner in terms of a visual aspect on TV and a winner with the fans and the teams. It's not so hot in the evening there, so I can imagine that is a welcome relief for the mechanics and for the drivers. So, apart from the actual racing on the track strategy over the last few years with the Pirellis has become really important and getting an undercut. It's become super powerful around Sakir because once your tyres overheat and they get a little bit too old, um, you are in a little bit of trouble and the fresh rubber really works around that track. So look out for drivers trying to force stops on others. I think we could be in for a two-stop race this weekend, uh, depending on what tyres Pirelli have bought. I'm not seen uh, which specification they are. I'll wait for Crofty to tell me uh, tomorrow afternoon. It'll be fine. So let's have a look ahead to the weekend. Let's have a look at some predictions. Will Lewis still shine uh, under the lights as a seven-time world champion? He's got this strange record of not performing brilliantly after uh, securing world championships. He's won uh, two races as world champion in the same year, uh, which was back in uh, three, maybe three races actually. Uh, so he won back in 2018, he won the Brazilian and Abu Dhabi Grand Prix uh, to close out the season after winning the title in Mexico. I think he'll he'll be strong this weekend, but I'm not sure he'll win. I think there'll be a, uh, a little bit of a hangover for him. He'll he maybe take his foot off the gas a little bit and maybe just regroup a little bit for next season because the job's done now so while he might allow someone else to build momentum he still can't stop Lewis Hamilton coming out of the blocks fast he's proven that over the last few years that he is the best driver on on the grid he's got the best equipment so even if he has a little, a little bit of a lull this weekend uh, he'll come back in one of the next two races after that I think and prove again why he is the most successful driver statistically in Formula One history. Um, will he shine? Of course he'll shine. He'll he'll be uh, Lewis Hamilton and he'll be up the front unless something uh, can stop him on the reliability for Mercedes or uh, there's an absolutely crazy 
race where there's crashes and people colliding everywhere. But the action isn't at the front this weekend. The action is going to be in the midfield battle because we've got Racing Point, we've got Renault and McLaren and Ferrari are the outside bet. Um, Alpha Tauri aren't really part of the, the battle for P3, but they're solidly in the midfield fight on track. Um, now, the fight for P3 is becoming a little bit of a dogfight. Racing Point are in P3, courtesy of uh, Sergio Perez's P2 in Turkey. Um, I think they'll go pretty well, Racing Point. I think Sergio will be riding high. He'll want to carry on that form and show that he is definitely worth having at the uh, Red Bull team for next season if Red Bull choose to go with him. Uh, we still haven't heard anything about Alex Albon's future. So that's a well-balanced car. I think they'll go well. They've got the Mercedes power unit. They need to take advantage of that. Uh, remember, they were docked 15 points earlier in the season for the uh, brake duct issues that they had with their, with their car. Um, and they've qualified first and third in Turkey, and they'll want to... Uh, they'll, want, they'll have wanted to pick up more points than they did. So responding well here, especially with Lance Stroll, will be important because they need those points if they want to finish third in the constructors. They need uh, Sergio and Lance both scoring. Renault, they underperformed in the race, really, in uh, Turkey, finishing 10th and 11th with Ricardo and Ocon. Um, but they've got a, a good car. And when the emphasis is on straight line speed, okay, they might not have out and out the most powerful power unit, but they've got an efficient car in terms of downforce. And they've proven over the last couple of years to be very handy when it comes to circuits with long straights. And we saw that in Monza and we saw it in Mugello uh, down the, the main straight there. There was uh, Ricardo at the front, uh, not quite getting on the podium in that race, but in in a low drag configuration, that car has done pretty well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them at the front of the midfield, uh, especially with Ricardo, because he is their their ace, their ace card. And if he performs, they're going to score big. It's just whether Ocon can, can back him up and pick up some solid points as well. So if Ricardo is finishing fourth or fifth, they need Ocon either right behind Ricardo or in between the racing points and the McLarens and, and just essentially picking off a few extra points off of them um, just to keep the momentum going for, for Renault because I think they are probably the favourites to finish third at the moment, especially given we're going back to Sakir next weekend for the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the oval circuit that they use, the outer circuit, uh, which is all about straight line speed. So, Renault will fancy their chances there. McLaren, uh, they're probably going to just find themselves a little bit behind their rivals. Um, but they're perfectly placed, really, to pick up any scraps. A little bit how Red Bull snipe for the odd victory when Mercedes get it wrong. McLaren are kind of doing the same with Racing Point and Renault. So if Ocon and Stroll don't get their act together in the race and, and finish in the points, you can bet your bottom dollar that Sainz and Norris will be heading that way um, and scooping up those points. The only thing that can stop McLaren picking up those points is reliability. They've had some issues over the last few races with reliability 
And uh, as for Ferrari, well, they've made some improvements uh, to their SF1000 car in the last few races. But Bahrain, as I've said already, is a track that suits power. And that's where they've really struggled, along with other areas of the car and the chassis. But they'll be there or thereabouts, though it'll only be on the fringes of the top, town, top 10, uh, really. Uh, I, I can see them dropping down the order in terms of positions. I can't see Leclerc really pulling out that magic lap because the car's just not going to be suited to the to the circuit. Um, and Seb's just stuck in a little bit of a vortex of uh, terribleness in terms of his quali qualifying pace and the, the feedback he's getting from the car. So it's going to be a difficult weekend for the two red cars. Uh, they're going to struggle over both weekends, really, and they might struggle in Abu Dhabi as well. So let's get my uh, predictions. So qualifying, I'm going to go for Valtteri Bottas to take pole position. His second pole around um, Saki Circuit after the uh, his first pole position in 2017 there. Uh, my top three will be Bottas, Hamilton and Verstappen. Uh, predictable, I know. Uh, my star of qualifying. Uh, I think it's going to be Sergio Perez. I think he's going to be the stand-up performer, uh, probably nabbing P4 on the grid, uh, where Alex Albon will finish in that shake-up. Who knows? Uh, I'm not sure what Alex we're going to get this weekend. So race day, I'm going to go for Bottas to win from pole because I think he's going to be uh, freed from the pressure of having to try and beat Hamilton. I think Hamilton will have uh, just taken a little bit of a step back uh, and the Mercedes is going to have a little bit too much for everybody else. So Bottas to win from Hamilton, and they're going to be joined by their third wheel uh, on the podium, uh, Max Verstappen. Now, of course, that could all change because Verstappen uh, could pull out something incredible, or he could throw it all away again, like he did in Turkey. Uh, some other predictions I'm going to make. I'm going to stick my neck out on uh, this. I'm going to predict Renault to outscore Racing Point and McLaren. Uh, and I'm going to predict that Ferrari don't score any points at all this weekend, um, whether that's reliability or they just don't have the pace. Uh, I'm not sure. I think they, they might actually be pipped by Gasly in the Alpha Tauri. And if Ocon and Stroll uh, sort themselves out and finish in the points as well, I think it's going to be very hard for Ferrari to find a way into the top 10. So that's my predictions uh, and my preview for the Bahrain Grand Prix this weekend. Um, if you enjoyed this, uh, give us a like on the video or a review if you're listening to the uh, podcast uh, on a podcast platform. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. That would be fantastic and much, much appreciated. Uh, give the video a like. Leave any comments. Leave your predictions uh, down below. And if you're listening on the podcast, tweet me your predictions. Tweet us uh, at 5 underscore red, underscore lights. I'll put all of the links uh, to our social media channels in the description on uh, YouTube and on uh, the podcast uh, description. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And I will see you for the review. Uh, I look back at the Bahrain Grand Prix uh, next week. Uh, enjoy the race this weekend, everybody, because the five red lights are coming on. And very soon we will be racing three weeks in a row. There's only three weeks, three races left this season, a uh, season we didn't think we would actually ever get a point. Let's go and enjoy it. That's the checkered flag on this podcast. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.